Let's talk about promises. There is one psalm that really stands apart from all the others. In a very real sense, it stands apart from all the rest of Scripture. And actually, it could be considered to be the introduction to the whole thing. In this psalm, there is a key given that could be considered as the key to a successful walk in faith. There is a promise after promise after promise of what will happen if you do just this one thing. If you do this one thing, you will have tremendous blessings. You will develop a lifestyle of purity that's innocent, that's been tested. If you do this one thing, you will be kept from sin, will bring revival, and also understand the ways of God, among many other desirable disciplines. What is the one thing? It is not prayer. It is not worship. It is meditation on the Word of God. Now be careful about the concept of biblical meditation. For the last 50 years or so, we have been exposed repeatedly to a form of meditation that is counter or foreign to the Scriptures. The more widely used concept is that of the Eastern meditation is practiced by Hindus and more especially the Buddhists, where the essence is to empty one's mind of all thoughts and worldliness. It becomes mindless and witlessness and becomes just a blank slate. That is a dangerous, and Scripture tells us that what happens when demons find a room swept clean. Biblical meditation is the exact opposite. Biblical meditation is filling the mind, the heart, and ultimately the will with God's ways and what he has said. The picture here is to chew on God's word, swallow it, bring it up, and chew on it some more. Not unlike a, a, a ruminant chewing on cud, swallowing it, bringing it up, chewing on it to get the maximum amount of benefit Another analogy is the chipping away on a rough diamond until all of the facets are revealed in their own special brilliance. The psalm, of course, is Psalm 119. There is really a double meaning or a double theme in that it first is a beautiful treaty of praise and exultation on the ways of God and the Word of God. And at the same time, it is not just God's word out there to be praised. There is the, that to be admired, but includes the immersion of oneself into constant exposure. For example, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. Verse 27, make clear to me the way of your precepts, then I will meditate on your wonders. Verse 48, I will lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and immediately of your statutes, and I will meditate on them. We don't know <clears throat> who wrote the song, but most probably it was not David. Scholars place it the authorship around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, roughly 500 B.C. It is remarkable literature in many ways. First, it has a unique st structure to it with 22 stanzas, and each stanza employs a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. For instance, the first stanza begins with the letter A, or the Hebrew elf. The second stanza begins with the letter B, or Beth. Each stanza has eight verses, 
So 176 verses in total. The importance of God's ways and words as expressed by the use of synonyms that occur again and again are such as rulings, word, testimonies, commandments, statutes, decrees, precepts, and others. These synonyms are found in 171 of the 176 verses. Over and over, the psalmist is declaring, I love, I think on, I meditate on God's word. I am in love with your will and your way. Scripture tells us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Here, the psalmist is forcibly and deliberately telling God that he prefers God's way to above to his own. The beauty of Hebrew Psalms is that it says the same thing in different ways. Design was for the leader or the chanter of the congregation to say one thing, and the congregation in the next verse to agree with him by saying something else, or the same thing in a different way. For example, verses 15 and 16 of Beth stanza. I, the chanter or the worship leader, I will meditate upon your precepts and regard your ways. The congregation, I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. The leader commits to God on statues, and then the worshipers answer their commitment to God's word. That is unity in worship. It is not just the love of God's word by itself as apart from it being worked into the soul. The word must migrate from the fundamental reading of the word to become resident in the heart and soul. I would offer the scripture. This scripture is touchstone for us all. 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. May God have blessings on your house. Good day.